Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So in this series, it's been saying that we want you to help discover who you are and what it is that you were born to do. And as we've gone through this process, you're probably brought to a place where you say, yeah, I know I was born to be his, and yeah, I know that I was born for more, and yeah, I know I was born for a mission and all that, but if I could just know exactly what my calling is. Anybody ever heard of the expression, what's your calling, right? What's that thing that you're called to do? What is my calling exactly? Um, what if you could know as clearly as, for instance, somebody who's called to the ministry? Um, when, it know, when you know somebody is called to the ministry, it's like God has said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to represent me the rest of your life. And everywhere you go and everything you do is going to be about you being my um, intercessor. You're going to be there helping to represent me and bring people into relationship with me, serve people in my name. You're my servant. You're going to serve my people. You're a minister. Man, that's pretty clear. So, so to, to know what it's like, to be a person who's called to ministry, as a person who's called to ministry, I'm going to give you a snapshot out of my day. Yesterday, um, while all of you were doing what normal people do um, on their Saturday, honestly, what I was doing is I was on my knees, and I, I had my grandson, my, my knees are sore. I was on my knees for such a long time, and I was on my knees, my grandson beside me, and I was praying. Um, and all those things are really, really true. Um, I happened to be in front of a toilet, um, and I was working on the toilet. Anybody ever work on a toilet? You have to hug one of those things to work on it, don't you? you have to. And, and I'm on my knees working on a toilet, my grandson beside me, and I literally am praying. What I'm praying is, God, help me not to cuss, <laughs> right? God, help me not to cuss, because I can't hardly... Anybody been there besides me, right? So, so let's just get this thing off and recognize the first thing is those who are called to ministry are just people, um, just real people like you and me. And I, I ended up in Lowe's having to get a part, right? And so as I went to Lowe's to get the part, um, it was a fill hose or something. And, and as I got to the counter and I got ready to pay for the part, I was talking with the lady at the counter about the part. And she looks at me, she says, you're a minister, aren't you? I'm going like, how cool is that? Where did I leave my name tag on? What happened, you know? And she, and she said, I said, how did you know? And she said, I could hear it. Well, you can hear it? That's awesome. You know, we're like, well, you can hear that I was a minister. Yeah, I could hear it. I don't know if she heard, heard me say something. I don't know what it was, but she could hear it. There was something. And I thought, man, that's awesome. You know, I, I, maybe I'm getting this thing right, you know, because I was called to be a minister at a very young age. God called me to the ministry. And he said, here's going to be, you don't ever have to worry about what you're going to do, what you're going to be. It's a done deal. You are a minister. Now, for the rest of your life, you are always going to represent me. And what's been cool about that is, is that that has defined my life every minute of every day ever since. Regardless of what I was doing vocationally, after the time that he called me to the ministry, I drove a coke truck and I was a minister while I was driving a coke truck. 
after I was called to the ministry, um, I worked as a janitor, and I was a minister while I was a janitor. Um, eventually, I was ordained, which means that I was publicly set apart for ministry. And after being publicly set apart for ministry, I was still doing janitorial work. I was doing work in different areas. I was a school teacher. I was a bus driver. I did all those things. And, and while I was a school teacher, for instance, I was his representative. I don't care if I was at a party or on the tennis court or where I was. I've always been a minister, and it's always been real clear. And so I knew that as a school teacher, while I'm teaching school, that I am representing Jesus. And so, man, I want my, that my teaching, I know the, need to know the subject matter the best possible. I need the right relationship with the administration. I need to love the other teachers and be as helpful to them as I can possibly be. I need to love these students and do the very best job of representing Jesus. Why? Because they're going to look at me and they're going to make a decision about whether or not they want anything to do with God. Because I represent God. I'm a minister. I remember having said something, um, I, I had a chance to speak to some middle school students while I was uh, substitute teaching middle school, and when I did, um, I just did what people do. I wanted to be cool and I wanted to be funny, so I told this story that was hilarious. And the reason I told it was not to glorify God, it was because I thought people would think I was cool if I told the story. That was honestly it. You know what I'm saying? I've been out of middle school at that time for quite a while, but I still want to be cool. Anybody know how that feels, right? And so... I, and so I told the story, and everybody laughed. It was hilarious, and people were lining up to talk to me and congratulate me on such a great talk. And there was a lady standing there, and I could tell the look on her face. She was not real happy. And somebody in the group said, Man, you're hilarious. You should have been a comedian. And then she just spoke out real loud and said, That's it. You should have been a comedian. Maybe that was your calling. And when she said that, it just like cut into me. You know what I'm saying? And I, I was aware of something, and that was this. There was an expectation. If I'm representing Jesus, whatever I do represents him, and I'm not going to say something or do something that's going to bring dishonor to him in the midst of that. And so I'm a minister all the time, 24-7, wherever I go, what I do represents him. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a guy just last night, or night before, actually, and, and the night before he said, you know, one day I was on my way to get on the 501 off of 17, where the, where the you know, the, the on-ramp comes, and he said, beside me was this jerk in a car who would not let me in. You know what I'm saying? And he's just sitting right there beside me, and it felt like as I speeded up, he speeded up, and he was like, I was just looking over like, I want to wring his neck, you know? And he said, and it was you! And then he said, and I looked over there, and you're singing, you know, you got your... And I thought, thank God I was singing whenever he looked in my car, because he might have caught me doing something far worse than singing, right? But, but here's the thing is, I'm on 24-7. There's never a minute when I'm not. And you may think to yourself, that, man, that's awful. You know what I'm saying? Life in the fishbowl, and you're all about ministry. Here's the thing is, it's the opposite of awful. Now, what is awful is honestly I'll talk to you about it in a minute. What's awful, all right? But but being a minister is absolutely beautiful because from the moment that he called me and set me apart to that, there has never been a question in my mind about what my purpose is, what my value is, what I do. It does not matter what occupation I have occupied. It, it's, it's clear to me. I know who I am. I'm a representative of Jesus. And that is clear and that adds meaning. A trip to Lowe's to get something for the toilet 
turns into something that's powerful. Does that make sense? I'm standing there in front of this girl, and I'm thinking, maybe this is what she felt, but I'm standing there in front of this girl named Christian, and I'm wondering, does Christian know how much God loves her? Does Christian have any idea? Is she connected at all with God's purpose for her life? And that's just on my mind. Why is it on my mind? Because I'm a minister. That's what's on my mind. I, yes, I've got to get the pipe for my toilet, and yes, I've got other business to do, but it's like I know why I am and who I am, and it adds meaning to every day. And I get the privilege of having people say stuff like this. A, a young lady, um, she's a single mom at a soccer game where I'm watching my daughter, granddaughter play her last game of soccer for the season, and there's a lady there, and she says, my life has been forever changed. She said, my life is totally different now than it was before. She said, I, I, life was just getting by and now I have purpose and I have meaning and I have joy and I have passion. She said, everything has changed in my life. And in the midst of that, she said something to me where she said, do you know you were a part of making my life change? She said, you didn't know it. It was a conversation that we had years ago and you didn't know it between me and my mom. She said, and I'm going like, how cool is that? I get to be a part, you know what I'm saying? I get to be a part of making a difference in somebody's life. You guys, to be called to the ministry is awesome. It's awesome. It, it's like better be, than being called to the secret service. It's cool as that is. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's awesome. It's the greatest privilege you could ever live. All right, so, so for everybody here who's been in that place where you've been like, yeah, I know that I'm I'm made to be his and I'm made for a mission and I'm made for more. And then you hear this title of this sermon. Oh, I'm so sorry that you were born to be different. I'm, I'm supposed to be a different kind of person. I want to tell you that in case you didn't know it, when I describe what it is to be called to the ministry, the reason I'm telling you that is because guess who else was called to the ministry? You are. You and you can fill it in the blank if you're doing fill in the blank. You are called to the ministry. A calling from God is an invitation and to set you apart for a particular purpose. And God says, I have called you into the ministry. After what we read last week where we said he's going to do immeasurably more in your life than you could ask or imagine according to his power that is at, that is at work within you. After we read that, the next thing that Paul writes in chapter 4 verse 1 is he says, I urge you then... As a minister, he says, as, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul's saying, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And he's not speaking to the ministers or the pastors. He's speaking to all the people who call themselves followers of Jesus. Who here is a Christ follower, a Christian? Raise your hand. You are called. That's who he's speaking to. And I'm urging you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. In verses 2 through 10, he goes on to say that it's all of us. All of us. We have one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And he has gifted all. He is using all of us and all of us are a part of that ministry. And so if you're sitting there going like, yeah, but I thought that there were people like pastors. They're the ones that are called to the ministry. When you get to verse 11, if you're reading your Bible, follow along. In verse 11, he says this, that Jesus, it was him who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to equip or prepare God's people for works of service or to prepare his people for works of service. If you have an ESV or another translation, you may have read it was to equip the saints for the work of the ministry 
That word service or ministry is the same word that's used every time the Bible talks about what we call ministry. It uses that word. God says, what God has done is he gave the responsibility to people like me to equip you to do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. You see, God does it in you and through you and you are called to the ministry and my calling is simply to equip you to do that ministry. Now, if you hadn't thought about that, it radically changes everything. You're the ones that do the ministry. And my job is to help you to do that ministry. Let me illustrate. The young lady that I was talking to, she's probably 35 years old. Her life has been forever changed. You know the difference I made in her life? I realized that I was kind of like, rats, it wasn't as big as I thought. She said, when I was a teenager, you had a conversation with me and my mom, and you helped work some things out, and it really made a difference, and we had a better relationship, and we still do, and I'm going like, great, thanks. You know? But somebody brought you to a place where God radically changed your life. And she told me about two ministers in her life. And she said, let me tell you about one of these people is a guy, he's 36 years old, he is an insurance agent, and he dated her. A 36-year-old insurance agent who dated her was the minister who brought her to Jesus. She said, because of him, because of the way he treated me, because of the way he lived his life, because of what was important to him, he's the one that led me to this place to find a new life. Is that beautiful? Is that beautiful? And God's saying, this guy was a minister. Biblically, he was called to the ministry. From the day he said yes to Jesus, he was called to the ministry. And he was living that out even in his dating relationships. And then she named another person, a a, a 29-year-old mom who's a school teacher. And she said, this 29-year-old mom who's a school teacher, the way she loved and the way she cared and the way she treated me and just her life, the way she parented, she, she said, it just made me want that. And this person, this woman, this 29-year-old school teacher is a minister. Now, there was a pastor in Florida who got to baptize her recently. And I, I was telling her how excited I was to see her baptized. But that pastor who baptized her is not the one who led her to, to saving relationship with Jesus. Is not the one who touched her life in such a profound way. He was the one who got to baptize her. But it was two ministers, one an insurance agent, another a school teacher who led her And ministered to her and brought her to Christ. Does that make sense to anybody? And so guys, I get to baptize people all the time. But every time I baptize somebody, there has been another minister who has brought them to Christ. One time, it was a guy who played football for Coastal Carolina University. Another time, it was a person who was a coastal who was a biology major. Another time, the minister who ministered to the person was a high school girl who sang in the chorus at Carolina Forest High School. But she was a minister and she ministered to this girl and brought her to faith in Christ. It happens all the time. And I have brought people to a place and I've baptized them when the person who ministered to them was a retiree living in um, Myrtle Trace South. And I'm going like, wow, is that cool? God's just saying, I want you to know that you're called to the ministry and you're the one that's making a difference. So what does it mean that you're called to the ministry? What ministry? What are you talking about? He goes on and says this, you're called to the ministry. He says, you're connected in the body of Christ. When he said that you're called to the ministry, that you are a part of what God's doing to change this world. We learned it last week. Man, you are fellow citizens with God's people. You're members of his household. You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You are the body of Christ. It is through you that he will do things that make demons tremble and angels sing. He's going to do it through you. 
And you're a part of his body, a part of the body of Christ, and most people don't get that. It just sounds kind of spiritual. I'm part of the body of Christ. Then we sing, part of the body of Christ. And here's the thing. Think about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. How many people have ever wondered, why is God not physically present in the world? I mean, why is he not here to touch people, to love people? I and mean, while Jesus was on the planet for the four years that he ministered, he was there, right? He was loving people and holding children and, and comforting people and healing people and feeding people and caring for people. He was listening to people and answering their questions and loving them and showing them the heart of God, right? So why is he not physically still present in the world? Anybody know the answer to that question? The answer is he is still physically present in the world. You are his body. You're his body. In 1980, during a year when I was coming to begin to start to understand what God was trying to tell me about me as a Christ follower, being a part of his body, there, there was this powerful experience that happened out in California, in San Diego, um, in the, it's the, the Christ the King Catholic Church, and they have a statue of Jesus out there. And some vandals came and broke the hands off of that statue. And when they broke the hands off of the statue, instead of replacing the hands, they put a plaque. And you can go on their website, Christ the King, San Diego, and see a picture of that statue of Jesus, still no hands, and a plaque at the bottom that says, I have no hands but yours. And it's just such a powerful statement, right? Jesus saying, if they're going to be touched, I'm going to touch them through you. You are the physical presence of God in the world. And so whether you're at a party or on a golf course, whether you're at a bridge club event or whether you're working as a greeter at Walmart, I don't care where you are, what you're doing. If you're in surgery as the surgeon or the one being operated on, I don't care where you are, whenever you are, you are the very presence of God wherever you are. It is through you that he will touch this world. Is that a big enough calling? Is it a big enough calling to know that you never go anywhere that you are not representing Jesus? Is it a big enough calling to know that it is through you that he will love, through you that he will listen, through you that he will touch, through you that he will feed, through you that he will heal, through you that he will do anything that he does on this planet? You are the only living representatives on the face of the earth to shine the light of God's glory through his son. You're the only ones. And he's saying, you're the part of the body of Christ. Don't you get it? That's as big a calling as you can possibly get. And so you're called. Now, you're also commanded to be different. Because you represent him, you're commanded to be different. He says in verse 17 of chapter 4, he says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. He's saying, look, the world around you is a mess. And you can't blame them. They're ignorant. They have no idea what's right and wrong, good and bad. So if you're taking your clues about what's good and bad based on social polling, what most people think, guess what? That is not going to lead you to the will of God. He's saying you are radically different. If you're going to be like me, if you're going to represent me, you're going to be different than the world around you. You're going to be different than the people in your neighborhood and the way they talk about each other. You're going to be different than the guys you golf with. You're going to be different than the people you work with. You're going to be so different that people are going to look and they're going to go like, wow. Don't you know that you can't be outstanding without standing out? And God's just saying, I want you to know I've called you to be different and yet the truth is is that most people will say that in terms of every character measure that you can have 
that the difference between those who call themselves followers of Christ and those who don't, there's almost no difference in the way that people live their lives. And so Jesus is not just poorly represented. He's not represented at all. He says this in verse 20, though. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Guys, do you realize that you are new creations if you're in Christ and you were created? Listen to this. You were created to live like Jesus. I mean, like, live like Jesus. And living like Jesus is not mean being weird. He's not saying, I commanded you to be eccentric. He said, I command you to be like Jesus. Jesus, everywhere he went, he had his eyes and heart on the people around him to love them, to nurture them, to minister to them, to care for them. And he, he got relationships right, right? And God's saying, that's what I've called you to do. I've called you to be like Jesus in whatever relationships you're in. How many people think it's cool that a, a woman came to faith in Christ because of a guy she dated? God said, I've called you to live a life that represents me in your dating relationships. How many people think it's cool that a mom and a school teacher has influenced somebody in a way that's eternally making a difference just by the way she lives her life? God's saying, I'm calling you to be like me wherever you are. When you show up at the party, when you're out with the boys, when you're on the golf course, when you're at work as the boss or the employee, I don't care where you are, what you do, don't you realize you're called to be like me in that moment? Everywhere you go. That's pretty cool, right? And people do it all the time. Guys, we hear about all the failure to get it right, but I'm looking around and, and week in and week out people get saved in this place and it's never because of something that's done up here. It's always because of what some minister in this congregation did to show Jesus to somebody. And then we get the privilege of watching it celebrated with everybody. So you're called to be like Jesus. Now, how many of you right now go like, if I was created to be like Jesus, I, I'm really supposed to be like him and I'm supposed to be representing him. I know this sermon today isn't for me because I'm a person who's not yet even in a surrendered life with Jesus. I'm not even his yet. I hadn't even given my life completely to him and I'm definitely not in a place to live like Jesus. So surely you're not talking to me. And so if you're a person who's never given your life and your heart to him, maybe you feel like you're far from him right now. I want to tell you, we are talking to you. In the Bible, the calling... The calling of God is first a calling to himself that calls you into hope and calls you toward heaven. He calls you out of sin, into forgiveness, into grace, into relationship. He calls you to himself. And even as he calls you to himself, he calls you into a purpose for which he commits you. And he says, now I want you to live a different life. You've been taking away value from others. I want you to add value to others. I want you to start making a difference for me. So you right now, if you're a person who says it couldn't be me that you're talking to because I'm too far gone, too far away, read in the book of Acts about the person who wrote this letter we're reading. His name is Paul. It once was Saul. Saul was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. He hated them. He was a, he, by his own definition, I was a 
blasphemer, a persecutor, a blasphemer, and a violent man. I was a hateful, evil person. And God called him while he was on that road to Damascus. And at the same time, God called him to forgiveness and said, I want to wash away all your sin. I want you to be forgiven. At the same time, he was saying, and I want to change your life and start using you to change the world. And so right now, God's saying to somebody in this room who feels like I'm unworthy, he's saying, I'm calling you to myself. I'm calling you to a relationship. I'm calling you to forgiveness. I'm calling you to hope. I'm calling you toward heaven. And while I'm calling you, I'm also calling you into a new life where you're making a difference, where you are my minister, regardless of what your job is. Regardless of where you are, you're my minister. He's calling you. And so if you're that person, I want you to understand that today could be the most significant day of your entire life. It was for Paul. It is for many. God's just saying, I'm calling you to something. And if you feel like right now, God's calling you, how cool would it be for you to just solidify that calling? I told you that for me, I was called to the ministry and I had the privilege of some people setting me apart, publicly setting me apart for ministry. So I knew from that day forward, I'm his. It's called ordination for pastors. Pastors who are, are the ones who help to lead God's people and equip God's people for ministry, they call it ordination for us. And that's where we're set apart for a purpose. And we know from that point forward, I'm his. I belong to him no matter what I'm doing. I'm representing him. Well, Tony Campolo was talking about a man in his church that he used to pastor, and he said this guy was a plumber. And he said whenever people would ask him what he does for a living, he said his response would be, I'm an ordained plumber. Isn't that a cool statement? I'm an ordained plumber. Now, I'm not calling you to be ordained. That's being set apart to be one who leads God's people, to equip God's people. But, but that whole commissioning, that being set apart... Guess what? You can be commissioned to live out God's calling. You can, you can be commissioned today to actually become, you can publicly have somebody lay hands on you today and say these words exactly, these words. This comes straight from Ephesians 1. It's just, it's just taking that and turning it into a, a blessing and a prayer. The Lord bless you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That sounds very similar to what happened when I was ordained. They basically said, the Lord bless you to fulfill your calling, buddy. And from that day, there's never been any doubt to me about who I am. 24-7, wherever I go, right? How would you like to leave here today with no doubt? It does not matter what job I have. It does not matter where I am. I am always, 24-7, a minister for Jesus. That's it. My eyes are always open. My heart's all. I am always a part of his body. When I show up, the physical presence of Jesus is being done through me. God's putting his love into my heart. He's using me. I'm a minister. I'm a minister. Whether retired or a school teacher, or whether I'm going to Lowe's or working at Lowe's, right? I'm a minister. Can I begin to describe to you how that's going to change your life? It's going to change your life when you're down working on a toilet. It's going to change your life when you're driving in your car. It's going to change your life when you're standing before the lady who's checking you out when you're buying your plumbing supplies. It's going to change your life when you're at a party or on the golf course or at your job 
or in your class. It's going to define who you are. So I want to tell you that as we come for communion today, I want you to remember that first calling. He calls us out of sin and into forgiveness and grace. He calls us to hope and calls us toward heaven. If I mess up, what if I don't, what if somebody looks over in the car and sees me doing something other than singing? What if something comes out of my mouth while I'm working on the toilet or while I'm standing in line? What if? And here's what Paul said concerning his calling. He said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Who wants to press on to your calling? I say, God, I'm going to spend the rest of my life living out that calling. I'm a minister. I'm a minister. So if you'd like to have someone lay hands on you, on your head, if you've got a whole lot of gel in your head, we might put them on your shoulders, but that if we just were to lay hands on you and just say, the Lord bless you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The Lord bless you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Anybody here want to live a life worthy of the calling you have received? Anybody here want to never again doubt what is your calling? You're called to be a minister. You're called to be a minister. So I want to invite you to come, take a piece of the bread, dip it into the cup, and know that you were called to forgiveness, you were called to grace, you were called to heaven. But then I want you to consider, after having received that, walking over to the side where some of us will be standing on the side, ready to lay our hands on you and ask God bless you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Those who are serving will come first and then the ushers will usher you forward. If you would watch me over here, there'll be a couple of people standing. And in the same way, a couple of people standing on the far side of the sanctuary, after you've received communion, if you would like, you could be publicly commissioned, set apart as a minister for God today. So you go to one of those people if you would like, and you just let them bless you to be his minister. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.